0: You are listening to the Young Western Podcast with your hosts, Cheyenne
1: and Montana odonoghue
0: where we talk about all things from Western lifestyle to your dating stories and honestly everything in between that. Hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to part two of our My Story episode. We go in-depth into what it took for me to get to be here in America today. And we get a little bit
0: inspirational towards the end and we talk about exactly why we decided to quit drinking full stop and how it's benefited us as competitors. Hope you enjoy. Okay, we are back with our second episode and this is a part two of delving into Montana's trip uh, to America or move to America, whatever you want to call it. But I guess first things we better actually start with our run review. We did decide before we started this podcast that we were going to do every episode was going to have a run review so a review from like a past run that we've made or like generally you know recent we're trying not to go back to your best runs of your career but your recent runs (laughs)
1: 2016 was it or (laughs) it was a warm day in 2016. It was a sunny winter's day in Mount Isa. (laughs) 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 Somewhat
0: recent um (laughs) <laughs> run review before we get into the episode and why don't you start Montana because i just uh talked the whole intro anyway
1: yeah and this segment was clearly a success because our first episode didn't have it so yeah. we're off oh, to a really good start Anyways. yeah
0: and we will um, not be re-recording so uh
1: no. who, has just the time? Pretend, who has the time
0: pretend it was in there thank you yeah. okay let's go
1: Um, so I guess my run review would be, I am going a couple back actually, but we, I went to Waco to WPRA finals.
0: Oh, so we're still in America. We're not that far back. yeah,
1: Yeah, We're not like, we're not like years. We're like two weeks. And, um, so I went there, it was the WPRA finals and it was three runs. The first run was, he made was nice was kind of slow and I tipped two drums didn't knock them over but kind of touched them and I was like all right next so it was two runs and then a short go so um I was like next run I'm gonna have to ride harder and so wait you
0: obviously made it back to the short go
1: well you just made the two average run uh, your two runs and that was an average and if you were in the top 30 you made the short go I think there was like 110 or something in that. and these are all um permit card holders permit card holders permit holders whatever if you whatever they are so um the first run he ran was nice and just like touched two drums so I was like he's I'm gonna have to really push him past the next round. next run he ran was like he ran like 0. 0.6 faster over half a second faster and do you know uh, what you
0: changed so much like to run over half a second faster
1: I think I just rode a lot harder. I He does, though, and I don't know why I always forget this every single time. It's like I have amnesia, that he always makes a better second run than a first run, Where, but I always only enter him once if I have an option, so I need to stop doing that and always enter him twice if I have the option because his second runs, he always gets faster. So um, his second run was messier, but clearly a lot faster. Um, and then so we made it back to the short go, I think I – Ended up like 20th in the average for those yeah. first two runs. And I made it back to the short go. So that was, this is like three days in a row, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I came back and he smoked his first and smoked his second. And then I think that my saddle slipped. I, I honestly don't know if my saddle slipped and my girth came back or if he was sore. I have no idea because I couldn't see anything wrong. But he just ran to third and I was looking up at the fence to make sure I got by it and didn't hit it. And he just ran and kept kind of running and couldn't turn. He like, like he's never really done anything like that before. So he honestly, I, I pretty much pulled him up. But um, that was just a little weird thing that happened there. Now short go run, which was not really what I was expecting because he's never done. Yeah. He's so honest. But um, I mean, bow racing, right? Yeah. So I mean, clearly it just wasn't our day. But um, he like the second round, he ended up thirteenth out of hundred and something so I was really happy with him but I got him uh, massaged afterwards and they said he was sore kind of down his right side um pole shoulder and like behind his ribs and I've ran him since then and he's ran really nice I've hit a couple of bowels, but he's clocked well so I honestly I was really worried if it was like something serious you know if he's really sore in his joints but I haven't got him into the vet since but I got him massaged and he's been rather nice so um just kind of wiping that one off as a very strange occurrence (laughs) that happened on the third day of him running and he just got sore by then that was kind of what the massage girl said so um that's pretty much my run review
0: they will do the weirdest things when they hurt won't they like
1: yeah and that's what I always believe like you can't out train soreness or whatever and he's so honest that I really don't know he he just honestly got really kind of sick and boundy and couldn't turn his third to the left so um I'm hoping that's all it was. I mean, I guess I'll find out if it was not if you does it again.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I mean, good job of making the short go, especially in Waco of all places. Yeah. We all know how competitive that is.
1: Yeah, it was very interesting. <laughs>
0: um, I actually made a run on the weekend. So I actually have a run review to do. Being Finally in Australia, I we really haven't had a lot on um, and we've had literally between COVID and natural disasters in the last three years. Things are scarce, but I did go, I went to a um, cow horse clinic Saturday morning, like a half day mini clinic and I loved it. That is definitely something wow. I kind of, I think I want to get more into, but I also just picked up so much stuff in that short time Um probably stuff that I've already known but haven't probably implemented too much with my horses but it really um I find the cow horse and reining stuff and that really correlates to barrel racing um so I'm all motivated and excited to ride on my young horses and drill them with all this stuff but it also is something I really want to get into and I, I rode Ari and she went very well she gets her head in the air and she's not very pretty but she does try hard But then we loaded straight up and went back to a bow race. I only took um, Bub and Ari because they're the main horses um, I've been able to get back and work after the floods. And Bub hasn't made a run since uh, Tamworth, I think, which is what September Mm -hmm. Um, and we're the end of November now. And she's a little chubby, but she went and made a run, and she actually won the one D. So I was and so, so excited. The one win. Well, actually, she has won a one D in Townsville too. I forgot about that one, but oh, I mean, so she was against some really, really competitive horses um, on the weekend, like some rodeo horses, and it was an open divisional. So I was so happy with her. We didn't. I don't think that we did too much different apart from just, she's just getting confident. She's the kind of horse that really um, she can get overwhelmed quite easily. So I think she just, not that she ever does, she really doesn't do much wrong. She's not like a problem horse or anything, but she just takes a while to get confident, I think. So I think just like the amount of run and in saying that she's had, um, had a lot of trouble with her, with, sort of just keeping her really, um, I don't want to say sound because she didn't have anything structurally wrong with her, but just keeping her kind of injury-free and nice and fit has been a battle, even though she's only a baby still, in my head. (laughs) Um, Well, she hasn't had
1: much She really hasn't had much. She hasn't had much runs.
0: Yeah, the Northern Run was kind of her first run of rodeos I think she'd done two rodeos before the northern run and that was just because I'd start her and then something could pop up and we'd have to give her time off so I really wasn't even sure I'd love this mare so much but I wasn't sure whether I would even be able to get her to this stage so I'm so excited that she's finally getting confident she still overdoes everything like she overturns her drums she she really kind of overdoes everything she runs um, a lot
1: like Like she's always moving I rode her a couple of times early early on and like She's different to my style, obviously, but she's not like a kick point and kick type horse.
0: She's and I, I don't know whether that's my kind of style. I get them quite um, like uh, responsive maybe because yeah, she's she she is for a horse that she's probably not like she's she's quite soft to ride, but you probably wouldn't look at her and be like, oh wow, she is like a cutting horse kind of soft. But when you run her, she, you have to be kind of really Mm jockeying her well. Otherwise she'll just like overturn. She'll, she really, yeah. yeah. And just purely out of trying her heart out. So I'm kind of waiting for her to get a little more arrogant and kind of run and and pick her own race a little more, (laughs) (laughs) which um, hopefully, yeah, (laughs) like cool. She is a duly cool, like a rock horse. So hopefully she can get a little more of cool and Bobby and that gelding arrogance about her where she kind of picks a line and runs on it but I was so so proud of her um and then I also bow raced Ari that is my paint rope mare she has only ever been to one other bow race and that was only because I was teaching a clinic the day before so I just worked her all the day before and she was already there so or the same day the morning so um she has taken a really long time to be able to get to where she can kind of be patterned without um, heating her up. I've really had to take my time with her because she is quite fragile and she's so smart and fast that you could ruin her so quick. And also the fact that she's had so much pressure on her becoming a rope horse. We've kind of fast tracked that as much as we could without ruining her. So she bow raced and she worked so well. I was just so happy with her. She, she can be quite the opposite and be quite arrogant and just pick her line and that's her line and and once she gets running, there's kind of you lose her brain a bit. But she seems to have come back so much and she was so um, yeah, she was so responsive and beautiful. She, I mean, she ran like a nineteen second run, but I was so so happy with that for a first run. Yeah, and I think we've got a long way to go.
1: <laughs> They're all coming along very well.
0: Yes. Okay, so let's actually get into the episode now. Sorry, I started up with okay. I start everything with okay. We'll get used to it.
1: Um, okay.
0: I kind of wanted to sort of rewind a little bit. I just felt like we skipped over um, a lot of pretty crucial um, moments in you going from working in childcare, bow racing in Australia, COVID being locked down, whatever it might be, to moving everything to America. Um, I kind of wanted to focus more on um, the logistics and the things that you really had to overcome in your mind, I guess, to make that happen if someone, some young girl or whoever might be listening to this podcast thinking, well, how exactly do I do it? Like how did she get the money to do it? That was often a question like I would think, like how are these people affording this stuff? Are you going over there? holidaying like do you get jobs what kind of jobs can you get on your visas what was like the plan with that and then I also wanted to um kind of emphasize the decisions that you had made and the sacrifices that you had made not 100 percent knowing the outcome that Mm -hmm. I think um would be quite inspirational for a lot of people yeah and then also like any kind of how do you How do you maintain your mindset? Like, what kind of work have you done? Well, actually,
1: (laughs) kind of work have you done? Some of my recent runs, not very
0: well. (laughs) What kind of work have you done to get where you are? Um, that -hmm. kind of stuff. So, yeah, how did you go from working in childcare to deciding to move to America? What? How did you uh, get the money? Like. Yeah. How, how did we make this happen yeah and what kind of money do you think that you need um sort of to get mm-hmm. you started and and whatever
1: yeah um so <laughs> um so I yeah I've worked in back home I worked in child care I got qualified and stuff for that like when I was maybe 19 or whatever so I worked in that for like number of years and then for about 12 months before um 12 months yeah I guess like 12 months before I came over here me and you were um working from home riding horses and stuff like we kind of started doing that for ourselves but um I have always I guess I've always had savings and just tried to save up money well and um we also lived at home with like with facilities and stuff like that so that was a big benefit we did spend six months living at the Gold Coast where obviously we we're paying rent and stuff like that and while I li- while we lived up there I worked in childcare too um child was a really good industry because there's so many jobs going and it was really easy for me to like transfer from Victoria to Queensland when we did move for COVID yeah so um I worked up there and when I was up there I was obviously not rodeoing and the whole of COVID we weren't rodeoing either the whole of the COVID lockdowns I also worked in childcare um before we moved so I guess again that was a good time where I was saving money as much as I could because we weren't going anywhere and I still luckily had a pretty steady income from um whereas a lot of people didn't over COVID but yeah I guess I've always been pretty good at saving money I've always worked and I kind of have the mindset like no matter what if you have a good work ethic and are willing to do pretty much anything you shouldn't be homeless or like <laughs> completely broke you know like just go and work more and yeah. and be willing to give up a lot so you can keep working for money but um I yeah, rode horses and stuff like that. I gave a lot of like lessons which I really enjoyed. And um also kind of I would only really buy horses when they were cheap. I found a lot of horses, like a lot of horses that I came across, like Bobby and pretty much every horse I came across, I would I got them off Facebook for like two, three thousand. I think probably, you know, there was a couple that like mum had bought and I kind of bought off her or I just started training them when I sold them I gave the money back to her whatever she paid for them like that was um posh a good man I had and stuff like that so we were definitely lucky in the way that like mom was also with the horse side of things really happy to see us you know train horses up and whatever she's so busy that if she had one there and we I wanted to take it she was like go for it she's busy yeah um yeah I had I guess a few years back I had like Posh, she was an open um, rodeo mare. I put her in full to start running Bobby for a while. So when I brought her back into work, she was only um, back in work for a little while and then I sold her. And- I guess
0: um, like you're looking back on it and just to kind of recap, I guess you're process was always to buy something that was reasonably bred and showing potential as like a yearling or a two-year-old, keep it, break it in, go through the motions, and you would have at least one of those per year. Um, and when we're a little younger, I guess we sometimes got horses that might be a little older, started, not necessarily bred, but they were started and exposed or whatever. But they were just quiet, somewhat athletic horses that we would kind of go on with. And then as you got older, sort of 16 or so you started buying younger horses and, and you really brought them along, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. As like, as kids, we just always had safe horses and stuff like, like little kids. I think probably both of us started like um, breaking our first horses. Cause that was, that's what mum did. So, and again, another benefit, we never had to pay anyone to start even breaking horses because mum would help us and we would do it ourselves. So um probably like broke in my first one from scratch when I was like 12 or 14 and then um, I actually think Bobby was the first horse that I 100% bought myself with all my own money that was when I was like maybe I was 16 or something yeah yeah something like that and um, yeah I would just if I would see a horse cheap and I only have I never bought anything that was started just because I'm so kind of picky and i just i wanted to know everything that they'd done and also the so money f- that it would cost to get something started it wasn't really yeah. an option for us right yeah yeah and it's we can start them ourselves so if we can get them cheaper as weanlings or yearlings we also would breed horses um like me you mum would always kind of breed horses so we'd always have a couple for each year um for us to be able to start and now all we especially now we're breeding all nice bred horses in yeah
0: it took a while to get to that didn't it though like it takes you a while to get the mares that you like and get mares that are proven or like it's taken me yeah it's taken me years to get cool's cool has two sisters and i've got them both and that's a and find the lines that work for you like the lines that i was kind of buying and working with and you were too when we were like 16 17 18 we kind of worked out by the time we're in our early 20s that they mightn't be the lines that we love as much you
1: know Definitely, and we kind of grew up with mum has a background in cutting and, like, Western pleasure and stuff. So all of, well, I mean, mine, like Oki and stuff, are really good older working or old pleasure-bred horses. So then we kind of would try and move over to add a little bit of sprint in and see what worked. Yeah. But, um, they and I were guess always had horses, which I think gave us confidence to be able to start our own and, like, I'm very thankful that mum did that for us.
0: Yeah. And we were so lucky that we had ex- access to a property where feed wasn't really an issue. Um, We had access to nice horses growing up, which meant that we could kind of win a little bit of money growing up, which meant we could, while we were still at school, kind of fund um, yeah. these new horses that we were buying. But in saying that, I remember being in school, getting up at five o'clock to go work horses before we then come back inside, got changed and went to school
1: and then would do it after
0: school as well. And also I guess our mother's name kind of helped us get into the realm of like lessons like I know you were teaching a lot of lessons while you were still in school and then you would go and work childcare, but you would also teach lessons and you were also training all these young horses so I think it was like a without knowing a very long-term plan from the time you were like 14 13 14 when to now that you are in America and I think people think see things happen so extremely quickly when you've made the decision to move but the only reason you had the money to move was because when you were fourteen, you bought this horse, and then you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we were very like we were we, and we still are extremely lucky with our upbringing. But it was it was just that mum was willing to be like, "I'll give you this if you give us that back." And mum and we mom would were never like, you're not going to rodeo if you don't
0: ride your horse during the week. Like it's nothing. But like We never day. had to get told to work our horses. It wasn't no, like we would get home and be like wanting to sit on the couch that's it wasn't ever we would get home go outside and work our horses I think because we had the drive to win (laughs) we knew we had to work our horses to win so we just worked the horses to win
1: yeah I think so I think that we have the work ethic and was if we weren't at a rodeo um you know on the weekends it would be like giving lessons or like you doing clinics and stuff so we have all the Facilities and stuff, but people can have all the facilities and everything they want, and still not be good because they don't have the work ethic or the drive. And so we had it. never had a horse purchased for us that was
0: finished. Or we were lucky that we had. We were around the intelligence. We were around the competition. We had a mum that was open to if because we showed so much interest, and we yeah. she would have to like beg us not to make her take us to rodeo. She'd be like, "Do we really have to drive to South Australia this weekend?" And we'd yeah. be like, "Yes, yes, you do." So I guess because we showed so much interest, she was happy to kind of buy $3,000 yearlings and be like, oh, okay, you can pay me back for that one if you really like it. Yep.
1: Yeah. And that was how it worked. Like we, she, she, and she never, I don't know that she like ever said no, except till maybe last year when we're adults to taking us somewhere. Like she would, like, yeah. so long as, what if we were sitting on the couch, not riding, she would be like, I'm not taking you anywhere, but we were always out there riding and like, Literally rain, and we didn't have an arena until probably three years ago. Maybe the arena was finished, yeah. So, our horses were like exercised down the roads in the back paddock if it was dry. And we had a paddock with um, like three drums set up on it. So, our horses never got not got um, I mean, Bobby, I think, was my first horse that got drum work as a at the age he should have. Like, even posh didn't. I remember riding her on a stripper sand down the middle of the arena base because that's what we had. Um, yeah, we didn't have the crazy facilities. It was all built up, but yeah, we just we had that work ethic and drive, and mom could see that, and she would be like, "Yeah, I'll cart you then if you're willing."
0: Yeah, we were lucky to have a mum and a dad who would invest in us, not in the way of to win, like never yeah. ever and they, did they go not ahead bias, like the best horse, the best trailers, the best everything to win. All they seen was our drive to win, so they would just keep trying to it, uh, like help us out if, if we needed. But in saying that, like I said, we never really got horses bought for us or anything like that. Um,
1: and we didn't. And Mum was not. I never ever felt a pressure from Mum to win. <laughs> like it was like never. Oh yeah, you did well, or you didn't. You did, yeah. yeah well, and our is nice.
0: has no idea at all, so he would. You would go out and make a run and you'd be a second behind and you'd be like, Oh, a second, no. that is nothing. Good job, yeah. darling. You're right up there and you'd be like, Man, <laughs> I suck.
1: <laughs> Literally.
0: <laughs> but I'm happy you think a second is nothing because in my yeah, mind
1: exactly.
0: I'm a third division right now right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, um, so I guess that we had we had the Awesome upbringing, and um, we definitely did. But yeah, worked hard and just kind of like along the way, got horses that you could eventually turn over or you know whatever. So it's like a long term mindset too. Like yeah. and from that, when cool I was fun. young, I, I never planned on moving overseas, so I just kept breeding or if something came up, buying so that I'll constantly have a horse for the next year to keep yeah. training. That's kind of how I worked it.
0: Yeah. And I guess the only real break you and me, I guess, have ever really had is that six months that we did move to the Gold Coast. That was probably and in that we were still flying back and forth and teaching lessons and clinics and things like that. Like we've never really taken more than that one six month break off training, rodeoing, competing, whatever it might be, just riding in general. Um,
1: we couldn't compete anywhere so that was our kind. Of, that was kind of our reasoning behind it it was like do we want to try and do this we should do it now well there's nothing for us to go to anyway the horses are still turned out so that was kind of yeah. why we did that. And it that was, was the only
0: fun. time in our lives that we we weren't on that horse grind hustle like we still were but we didn't have to be so we were like we may as well take this six months to work in different industries and kind of just have fun yeah
1: yeah, yeah. so that was that, and um, I guess that was kind of how high how I how I like built up funds. I never, I didn't buy a, like I again. I mum would cart us everywhere, and I would just give her fuel money, so I didn't have to buy a rig for myself until I bought my um, I bought my Ute when I don't know. I was like I I was working in childcare, so I just had a really little, shitty little bomb car that i would drive to work every day and it was just so cheap on fuel I got given it actually from a friend so <laughs> it was like rusted out and then when I kind of would I had a couple of faturity horses and would want to go places if mum didn't want to so I bought um my ute and a little shitty well I bought off you the two horse straight load float and um that so, I had that car, I bought it brand new, so it held its value pretty well, especially with how the car market ended up being, you know, up until up this year. Yeah, so I, I
0: think we're, I think you might as not, might not be as much too, but we were not brought up in an environment where image mattered. Like, we
1: like are the least materialistic people I've ever met, seriously. Yeah. They do not
0: place any importance on material um, items. They they yeah. could have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. They could own millions of dollars worth of assets, but they will just drive the shitty cars.
1: They There is no... Man, we didn't even have Tupperware at school. I, I, I'm not even joking. Your mum used to give us our sandwiches in um, butter containers because... she didn't care she was like just it's it take your sandwich in a container here's what I have still a sandwich like there (laughs) was no roll-ups it was
0: like basic basic like sandwich bit of fruit maybe a homemade slice I mean vibes (laughs) on the homemade slice but like girl (laughs) we were like
1: basic it was like I I mean I saw like the most people around Like I I, had but I also but I didn't realise that not everyone else went on six week holiday around Australia every year. Or could make the decisions that like our parents
0: could make. Like they could make they were financially stable enough to just go, yeah, we'll go away, yeah, we'll do this, yeah, we'll do that. But possibly because of their whole life of just being like couldn't care less what they what their image or, or their their materialistic things were like. So in saying that, probably with me we we're a little more materialistic but we weren't too worried if you rocked up to a rodeo like even my little gooseneck like I'm like I don't care if I rock up to a rodeo in like
1: a little three-horse gooseneck and my Mazda if I'm gonna pull off the horse that'll win I'll still beat you like I mean my horse is worth more than my whole rig put together right over here right now and um but I mean I own the truck and the trailer and I don't have like millions of hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, I own the truck, the trailer, and the horse. So right. <laughs> I don't care really about that. Like,
0: that's- And I think that was probably something that um, got sort of instilled into us. We spent plenty of money on vets and making sure everything was um, fine with our horses that way. And we would be way more likely to splurge money on equipment that will help our horses rather than uh, a new yeah. site. Like we just... Yeah we were very much like that and still probably are.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I I nice, like you will. I love some of the aspects that they instilled in us growing up because I think it's made us how we are. But um
0: I mean you not- had to be tough when you were turning up to primary school with a fucking margarine container for your sandwich container. Yeah. Yep, I mean is. they there's a few things that mum probably could have splurged on, one being yeah. a, a, a nice Tupperware sandwich <laughs> oh, container. I
1: when i I realized a lot less bullied yeah yeah i mean it does it's character building it makes you tough bro the kids (laughs) these days right kids these days with their fancy tupperwares good lord they're spoiled (laughs) i would look at
0: that like i look at that now and i'm like honestly you've made it if your parents send you to school with one of those what are they that s brand i forget those um little sandwich containers baby yeah. you've made it like you're not going to have another worry in the world like never you, you're done you've made it us yeah. on the other hand never quite got that luxury we were always we and i, I think, think it
1: I was thought, when we when we hit the road it was not mcdonald's and kfc it was i've packed sandwiches i've packed juice boxes you can have one juice me especially because i was a little bit of a, a little i really got excited when mum packed us <laughs> Rodeo road sandwiches because we would sometimes get cheese and bacon rolls. So there was some limits. Which was such an exciting thing to get some cheese oh, and bacon such rolls. such a treat, I tell you how. But, yeah, like I guess they saved money on buying home brand chewy muesli bars that kind of chewed your teeth out of your head <laughs> so that we could go rodeo. I guess they
0: figured by the time our teeth started falling out, we'd be old enough to pay our own dentist bill. So they're like, honestly, risk for reward, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. But, um, anyway, poverty, no, I'm joking, <laughs> but so there's definitely habits instilled in us. Like we, you know, and growing up when I was 16 or whatever, I never got, was like getting my nails and spending money on that type of stuff. I mean, the eyelashes kind of got me when I was an adult, but you know, there's a lot of ways that I save money and just working hard and, um, that sort of thing to build up enough horses to know that if I needed money I could sell one and I would have money right there. Yeah. So um yeah building up the funds to come over here, I had sold um I had like a a five-year-old that I sold not to a not to a rodeo home, just to another home. Um, I sold Posh, my open mare. I sold Joe the paint horse I had, who was like a, you know, open rodeo horse um what else I sold a little two-year-old that I had or, and a three. yeah and then right before well I mean I went came back home and then I sold OP to you guys because I really didn't want to sell him because I loved him yeah. so um that was kind of you know money for the visa um and so flight. really quickly I guess the visa
0: flights um that was probably what what did you want to allow for that like uh
1: the visa was like uh I mean I'd probably allow like fourteen thousand. This is all in Australian dollars. I think it cost me about twelve. And um, you know, flights to come over here, stuff like that was like three grand to come over. Um I also when I was first over here I bought my car truck for like twelve thousand, I think. Um and then when I came back over I bought my float for eleven and a half, eleven maybe. And uh, then when I was back home, I sold my ute for that was the cost to get Bobby over here, like 30000 Yeah. So I kind of, you know, by the time I went back home, I was, you know, the funds were lowering because I'd come over and done all the things, but I knew that I had my car there still to sell and that would be able to get Bobby over here. So, um, well, I mean, I'd said yes to Bobby coming over, so I was praying someone would buy my car so that I could pay the bill.
0: But... So um, just by touching on that, you had booked Bobby on a flight because there was a little bit of urgency with that, right? They said that there wasn't too many flights and you kind of
1: Yeah. Had to I was kind of asked him, like, should I like, you know, what if I'm unsure? And he said to me, um, I don't know when they're gonna fly again because this was the first flight back after COVID. They hadn't flown for like years. So um, I kind of hesitated and he was like, look, if you don't get on this one, I can't tell you when the next one will be. There could be another one soon, but there might not be if this doesn't go to plan sort of thing because it was a whole new route for them to fly and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I just said yes because I didn't want to miss that flight because, you know, I'll figure it out. And nothing like putting pressure on yourself to make money? Yeah, yeah, nothing like making sure your car sells because your horse is about to get on the plane. So, yeah, so you put your horse on the, you booked your horse in without
0: the money and you just knew you had to sell your car. Yeah. I just knew it
1: would and you happen. also
0: Had to do this um, whilst you hadn't finalized your visa, you had been approved, but you hadn't got that final appointment, which I think we touched on last time that that just yeah. kind of fell into place for you, but you weren't, wasn't sure when that was going to happen. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um, and you were
0: in Australia
1: at that time. Yeah. Yep, so I think that Bobby was over here before my visa was finalised. So <laughs> well. finalized, I just gifted someone a really nice horse and <laughs> who knows when I was going to turn up but I can see him again. But, you know, it all worked out and I just kind of had some faith and prayed a lot to the universe <laughs> just yes. for it to work. So I
0: guess we've kind of, I just, that's what the kind of stuff I wanted to do, like touch on about how much money you kind of spent in um in the process of getting over there. And yeah. like I said, you I said this last time, but you have done a vlog that really goes into detail of all this. But honestly, it was like such a long process for you. That's not to say you can't do it quicker. Like if you go get a job in the mines and just hustle and really hustle yeah. for two years or something, you might be fine. But for yeah. how for how young you are and and how young you were, that was kind of the process. You yeah. went about. You didn't go to uni, and
1: yeah, and I like I. No one helped me, as in like with with money. No one helped me, but I I had a lot back home, and I sold a lot to be able to have the money. So now back home, I I have one mare that you guys have, which mm-hmm. I really like, and I I don't want to sell her, but I might sell her. Um, you know, if a horse came up over here that I want to buy it because I don't have money, many savings left, but I do. I you know. I have. I'm gonna survive. <laughs> like I'm not. Yeah. I have money coming in and stuff like that. So I think that if that making sure that you as long as you kind of like my thing is like if you have a work ethic and you got over here and you got stuck, there is it. Where I live is I'm pretty sure someone said it's literally this county, which is like a shire, has the most horses in the whole of America. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cutting horses, guys racing horses. So. We know that horse people are always wanting work, workers and, and stuff like that. And one
0: thing keeping in mind with the visa that you do have, and that's your visa, the sports visa is mainly probably the only option that rodeo people or Western people have to be able to enter America and work unless they are some trained in some specific uh, rare field that you do have to work in the rodeo horse industry. So you can work, but it has to be in the industry, so, you did have a job lined up, um, but obviously, we all know like those kind of jobs don't pay through the roof money. But
1: yeah, but they were um, often sometimes you might find them that they provide housing and stuff like that, which is yeah. like a big cost, especially if you have a horse or, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah. But I definitely think it's important to kind of come over and suss it out and see, you know, just the people you're around, if it's going to work um, and that type of thing before you really, really put cement things in stone.
0: Yeah. And so we did touch on um touch on this in the first episode. But I with and, and I think it's a little more clear just how much you did sacrifice and I guess, you know, 10 years worth of work that you did kind of sell or like there's obviously a lot of beautiful horses that you really didn't want to say goodbye to and things like that. Did um I know that you definitely come across some doubts, but what were some of the things that people said to you and how do you keep like a really positive mindset? Like, how do you not sit there some days and go, shit, have I done the right thing? Like, did I throw everything away? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking just for, for like the overthinkers out there, but surely you um, have those thoughts and kind of how do you, how do you deal with them if you do? And what are some of the things that people put on you?
1: Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I'm pretty stubborn and I kind of, the way I think and because I am stubborn is, like, if it goes wrong, it's all on me yeah. and it's, like, I'm, you know, I'm the one that decides it, so I'm the one that if it fucks up, it's my fault and um, I have to figure a way out of it. But, yeah, I had such nice horses or, you know, I just had a lot of things back home, so, um, and I probably even started to sell them or whatever before I even realized what I was going to be doing they would just start selling and then I was like well now I guess I have to do this so um I didn't like share the reason why I was selling them until right up towards the end and I mean like it it was hard questioning what I was doing well I mean the day before I flew out my grandma died so it was like wow well, look at what you're going to miss out on and like it was like her funeral was like five days after I got here but um, it's just, like, you have to be very confident in your decisions. People, especially with bringing Bobby over, would question, like, if he's going to be good enough, um, if it's worth doing it. But as I think we spoke about in the other one, like, I just kind of weighed up the money value, stuff like that. Um, and do you have any, like,
0: um kind of routine things that you do for your mental health or is that something that you don't really have to worry too much about? Like are you're someone who doesn't really experience many ups and downs, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean... Or how do you
0: recover after bad things happen? Like if you knock two drums or like do you... Are are you um, kind of at a stage now where that really doesn't bother you all that much or...?
1: I mean, I was... I spent time... uh, I probably... I don't know. It's weird, but right now where I am right now is just like, I'm very grateful to be here doing what I'm doing with the horse I have because, because he's so honest. um. But at times he still can be arrogant and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what suits him best. But I also spent time over here with like people like Brittany Posey and like Andrew and stuff like that. They are the best in the world and I would see them make runs that didn't go to plan or whatever. And they literally, I, I looked at them after these runs and I was like, they are the best competitors because they were just like, wow, oh, shit. You know that happened, but they can't. You can't um stew on it for too long because they're going to the next rodeo or um.
0: Yeah, it uh, takes a certain kind of mindset like, to be able to go from one rodeo, get straight in the truck, and drive to the next one in the same day, and have to make another run if your first run's gone bad. Like that yeah,
1: is. I, I, I would see them after runs where like. They should have wanted to, you know, trip and hit a barrel or something. And I was like, God, they just they just get over it. They just make their run, good or bad, and get over it and move on to the next one. So um, I've definitely tried to, like, adapt that and just be like, whatever, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And it's already kind of decided for you. Like, with that yeah. short go at Waco, I was like, you know, this is so exciting. Kind of one of my first bigger short goes, I guess and it just literally the weirdest thing happened in the short game that I was like well we weren't meant to win big year like it's gonna it's gonna take more than that for me to have the success that I want and it just is you just have to keep getting back up and starting again but it's just really getting over it good or bad run you have to give yourself a couple minutes and get over it and
0: I guess you um, have to kind of understand that it's a process right like I think we're both big believers in everything happens for a reason and sometimes knowing what the reason is is impossible in the moment but knowing that this is all like a growth process you either win or you grow from it kind of thing and i see i've seen so much growth in you 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 every time you something doesn't go quite to plan you change things and you move on and i guess it's knowing that uh everything that happens over there is happening for you not to you like Everything in in the life is happening for you, not to you. And I've had some like terrible things happen to me recently, but I'm like, this is happening for me. Like the person that I am evolving to now is so much stronger and, and um, more independent and stuff than the person that I once was. So, I mean, how cool is that?
1: Yeah. And I guess I spent, until I've been over here, I've always had like multiple horses, you know, at jackpots and stuff. So if usually if you do bad on one, you'll do good on another one. Whereas now I have one horse and so it's either you do good or you do bad. So um and that's probably the biggest thing I've taken away from all the, the literal NFR cowgirls and stuff that I've seen over here, good or bad. They just get over it and move on from it. And when it's your time, it's your time. And if it's not, it's not. But um yeah, I've I've definitely taken on like literally training stuff from other people to be um, you know, give him more runs, get him more fitter, kind of fix things that I think have helped physically in our runs and um I yeah I think it's important to just know uh and take advice from people you literally only want to take advice from you don't have to take advice from everyone whether they give it to you or not if you don't ask for it people will give you advice whatever they think is right but you choose to listen to that or you know follow the people that you see doing well and that you like their their methods and their mindset and stuff like that yeah yeah
0: okay um one other thing I kind of wanted to ask is because this is something that's so common, I feel like, and I don't know whether this is the whole Australian tall poppy syndrome or Australians just being jealous. Oh, my God. I could go on about that. Seriously. Australians versus Americans. are It's insane. Americans are the kindest, most, like, supportive humans. Australians tear yeah. you down. Tear you down.
1: And Isn't you they? can give an American a compliment and they take it and they're like, Yes, thank you. I agree. Australians, they make a run to win the rodeo and they're like, Oh blowing, that was bloody oh wow. And I'm like, Oh my god damn, what if I say well done, they're like, No, that was terrible. Wait, it's Australians. I thought it was all bow races, but- do that like honestly, that
0: make and like good bow races make an amazing run. You'd be like, Oh my gosh, good job, and they'll be like, oh, it was pretty messy, and you're because like, was- you bet me you're so,
1: half a second off
0: yeah yeah and you're like oh and you're like, yeah, oh, I I i'm that. a fourth divisional rider and that's not your greatest like shut up and take the compliment fucking hell
1: we oh, all I'm know sure. the
0: messiest runs win most of the time like um but in saying all that i wanted to kind of ask you do you and i don't know whether just because and i mean we share this kind of um Personality trait where well, we are quite arrogant and we don't really give too much of a fuck about many people other than our closest people around us. But um, a, a really common thing for Australians to do is to heavily judge when a, a fellow Australian sends a horse overseas or they go over to America generally themselves and compete. They are just like, they go heavy on that. I mean, unless you're like going to the NFR and won the world. They they will kind of criticize you a lot more than if you were just to stay in your lane in Australia and just go to the local rodeos and like do your thing. And I and I'll even see it like in yeah. clicky little um, communities where someone will branch out and go start pro rodeoing and go to the big pro rodeos. And they might fa- well, generally they will fail. Most of us fail a million yeah. times before we succeed. So they'll fail, and people have so much to say about it because they just they just never have the intellect nor the balls to even just like even fathom trying to make that decision or put that much on the line. Do you feel more yeah. pressure to um, do really well being in America now? And do you feel like a lot of people try and like feel like they have the right to be able to kind of comment um, on your, uh, like on what you're doing on your runs or try and give advice what, that's unsolicited?
1: Yeah, I mean, um. I probably feel almost less pressure over here because when I go anywhere, no one knows me. I mean, now people are starting to know me, but you know, back home, people I guess knew me and Bobby, and so then then they knew we did well as a baby, so then they kind of expect it. So you put a pressure on yourself, but over here, and especially at the first bow races, I was like no one knows I don't I don't tell anyone anything either you know I'm not walking around the bar race being like oh my god I'm from Australia so uh I was like <laughs> just sitting there on him thinking like this is pretty cool and I'm just cruising around and you know I asked a couple of people to video at me at my first bar races, and they're like oh my god he's such a nice horse well done you know they were so nice and um so I don't really feel the pressure over here because I I'm very because I'm very grateful like it's given me a new perspective of just being grateful of like being over here entering these barrel races and having a horse underneath me that's so honest and I just think he's cool as shit like so um but yeah a lot of people back home uh, would like try try and give you advice about bringing them over and stuff and that's fine but I wouldn't I'm just very wary of who I like listen to and who I um associate with because you know the energy is like will put you off and will make you doubt yourself especially because um you know I'm a young single person I, I will like converse with you about it but I don't have like a partner or a you know family like mom and dad over here to be like that know these type of people or whatever so um i just very picky with who I associate with and, you know, all the good, not good people, but um, I've ridden with so many amazing bow racers, And unless you kind of ask them, they, they might give you your opinion if they're like, all right, she needs help here. But unless you ask, they're not going to give you advice because they're like, well, you know, if they don't ask, maybe they don't want the advice and they're not the type of people to just be like, go and fix this and change that because they're kind of, um, you know, they're, they're worried about themselves and doing their own thing and in a good way. But yeah. at the same time, if you ask and show, you know, a little bit of dedication and show that you're open to receiving their advice and like you're willing to learn, they will help you so much. So um, I actually, really-
0: now you said that and probably talking about myself, but just like a, like a similar story, whenever I was over there, I loved the fact so that no one knew who you are like no one yeah. expected anything of you because no one knew the only people that were were like the weird Australians that were stalking your profile like no one yeah. was there judging you because they had no idea where you come from and then I went into the cutting industry and it was even better because I was like oh man I am not a cutter don't hold this against me but I'm a where So like And they, that when I said that, they expected literally nothing. (laughs) So the fact that you could sit on a horse, they were like,
1: I mean, good job, ma'am. And you're like, that's it. Like, I think that you're so much better to just not tell anyone anything and not, not, not put yourself out there, but just be willing. And, you know, when I was over here, I was like sitting outside at like nine o'clock at night because they were all still riding out there and I didn't have anything to do. It was cold like winter, but I'm sitting there watching and they see that you're dedicated. So they'll start giving you a go, but don't like be like, yeah, I've broken horses in and I've done this. Like just let your riding or your skills prove that over time. Don't don't build yourself because up to be Because it might
0: you. stop them from giving you advice that they really think you need. Like if you roll in there and be like, oh, I'm a horse trainer, or I'm a bow racer, this and that. And if people do that to me when I'm teaching lessons, I might be a little bit more hesitant to be like, okay but you ride you really have your weight over your swells or whatever it might be because you'll be like well they're a horse trainer <laughs> they know whereas if yeah. you kind of roll in there and be like whatever just like
1: very that very open and, and opportunities come to you um, yeah and just don't yeah it's a funny thing yeah 100% well I,
0: I mean that's really good that you don't feel any extra pressure it kind of is <laughs> yeah. that you I are feel- a That you, and we said this in the first episode, but you definitely can back yourself.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't feel pressure from other people, but I get it when I get into um, pressure situations, like at the start, you know, there was a couple of like average runs, like where you're running for an average and stuff. And I would mess them up because my um, mental... I don't know, strength when I was competing wasn't that great. So I literally, where was I? Well, actually, it was a Waco and it didn't work for me. But I think mentally I was really good there because I said to myself, so I've never got to run bobby at work before but I said to myself like don't treat this as an average run just like as in you need to keep your barrels up for this oh. just treat it as if it was your first work run you've ever made so I just like the ass off him to the wall and you know we we didn't do what I thought but we didn't hit a barrel <laughs> but no I kind of had to it's like take rude, the, isn't it like, like yeah I had to take away what it was like take myself mentally somewhere else to just ride properly and make sure I did everything right because the pressure, definitely gets to me um in some situations like that. So, but yeah, it's just all growth and figuring out how to mentally you know work in high pressure situations because it's a bit ridiculous what we do.
0: <laughs> yeah. And just before we finish up, I kind of um I guess there will be a lot of people that are always hungry for um sort of the growth side of things. And I want to talk or want you to talk just briefly on the changes that you've made in your life um, over the last however many years that you think have really helped you. Also maybe any like um, books or any kind of inspirational stuff you might listen to. And the changes, I mean, um, i.e. not drinking, um, not really kind of changing your focus. And hundred percent I want to preface this by saying we are not judgy people. If you are in your like party phase, girl, go off, like, sis, oh, like, no. enjoy that party phase because God knows Everyone
1: most of us have done it. Face. And if you think, and if you think you don't, you're not going to have it, you will have it when you're 30.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, if if you don't have your party phase, I mean, what do you even have any context to you? Like, you're the most boring woman <laughs> ever to talk to. So um, sort of tell us how things might have changed a little bit for you in the in the last few years and whether you think, for you personally, like for everyone, it's different. There'll be some people out here that are like on six day benders at the NFR. And I mean, strange way. uh, I mean, to be honest, that's most rodeo people in Australia. And for me, strange way to attack a professional sport, but go off. Okay. (laughs) But um, for you personally, do you think not drinking? um, Sort of why do you make that decision? Or we, I mean, we both are, but, why did you kind of make that decision and um, do you th- and same I don't know if you kind of do much meditation and stuff anymore but for you what worked um, and was there anything you kind of read or listened to that really helped
1: yeah uh, so I guess we stopped heavily drinking and <laughs> after we had like a party phase which was when COVID happened so we don't really drink that much but that's also like I can't be out late like I just need to like go to bed everyone around you around me now would tell you that like it gets at 10 o'clock and in general I'm just so tired I'm ready for bed so I just try to like start taking it really seriously and because when I would go when you go to the bar or whatever you just find yourself hanging out with people that are absolute losers and yeah. invading on your energy so yeah um, and, I and just like do-
0: obviously it. you are somewhat spiritual or believe in like energy <laughs>
1: yeah i i'm a big uh, energy universe gal and yeah. so when you just hang around these gronks at the bars or whatever um <laughs> it's gonna take a toll on you and people they're gonna drain you of your energy if you've seen me at the bar <laughs> but nah so we stopped drinking as hard and um you know we're in bed and stuff and not partying that definitely helped just kind of with like mental clarity but also just probably more who you're hanging around with yeah and um you just want to hang I around think- with people that are like dedicated and focused on the sport and kind of helping you grow like if you've yeah. got if you're at like you know it's the amount a short go sunday and everyone's encouraging you to like be out all night saturday night are they the type of people that are
0: kind winning of the short go best? on sunday
1: yeah, I mean, sometimes, yes, I'm jealous. But yeah. I mean, also more cowboys than cowgirls. And, yeah. uh, but, like, are they the type of people, like, encouraging you to stay out all night that also, you know, believe that that's the best thing for you to have a good chance at the competition Sunday? So, um, you know, not hanging around those types of people. And that's also goes for when you're sober. Like, if you get bad vibes around people or if there's a lot of people, especially back home, that you can hang around with, that just you don't even realize it but they will be like having input into you know subconsciously they're making you doubt the ground conditions or your horse or your riding ability or what you're doing when you know deep down inside what works for you and your horse so um not hanging around those type of people definitely helps and i definitely got into audiobooks and stuff like that in covid um what is it relentless was really good right and um the secret is good is in like a universe kind of manifesting type book love that book I think I read it and also listened to it a couple times um I'm not sure what other books did we have that we love I am
0: yeah we probably went through this um this like woke stage if you will but we're not the woke people we probably went through that stage quite similar times and um i think i love i got real heavy into books i loved relentless and then there is a sequel to it called winning by i think they're both by tim grover they were such good books um there's another book the inner game of tennis which is not really about tennis but it's all about our competition mindset
1: into it very much yeah
0: montana has um i would say undiagnosed adhd
1: yeah, I couldn't get into meditation at all. Like I really yeah. tried meditation and yoga. I did a lot of yoga during COVID, but meditation wasn't for me like it was for you. Like you really yeah. enjoyed it or whatever and got into it.
0: But Yeah, meditation for me was really good. Now I think I'm in a different spot where it's not, um, I think I probably need it more just for anxiety or, or relaxation, but yeah. not necessarily to try and get through the trauma that I had to get through. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah I definitely uh kind of like journaled sporadically I do no I do that now like I'll if I'm needing to just like get things out I'll just like write a page down of whatever like gratefulness um what's going on kind of looking back on my goals I'll just like write a a page or two of just words literally to get it out I'm not a journal all the time but um yeah oh I also read the book uh the psycho psycho cybernetics book oh, oh. I, can't really see it, but I can't read the title of it right now yeah um, but it's the okay, book that Eric yeah. Full Ladder or whatever did yeah I love that book. You? I think so yeah yeah I love that book I literally got it for like $10 on like a thrifted book thing over here and really recommend yeah, that I don't, I don't think I've finished that with. I need to get into that again yeah love that book definitely recommend that I don't know if it's on audio audible and stuff but just try and find it and read it highly recommend yeah it.
0: And so for us, I guess, yeah, with our minds that we kind of went through our partying stage a little bit um, yeah. for reasons different to each other, we completely stopped. I think yeah. we probably yeah. are a little bit obsessive from time to time. Like we probably didn't need to We're completely all or nothing. quit drinking. Yeah. But um, and I've tried to drink like from here and like here and there since, but it's just not for me anymore. But the same thing, it wasn't necessarily the drinking. It wasn't like you're alcoholics or anything. It was just the the people and the environments you ended up in and the situations you were putting yourself in. And I guess after a while, we just realised that that was really, really not beneficial to us. Um, and, you know, in any kind of competitive sport, I think rodeo would be one of the only supports that, sports that you'd be that competitive, but then also party with these people, you um,
1: yeah. like well i mean like football players like if you've seen a football player drunk at a bar they're like scratched their contracts like gone right and
0: <laughs> um, like, it's not it's like just it. i think our energy and and our it's so important to preserve um your energy and, and really be conscious of what you're consuming who you're surrounding yourself with and yeah. by doing those things even though we I think that we were still so motivated no matter what. If we had had a big night, we're still getting up in the morning and working and we're still oh, doing all the things. I've never
1: let Mr. Rodeo run because I was on
0: <laughs> Yeah, but in saying that 90% of the people that you are partying with do not um, have the same uh, goals and, and drive and just um, the same kind of, or oh, what would be the word? Like they don't I mean, want the same for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and some people are just happy to just stay in their lane and live their life that way, which is fine. But you just have to be surrounded by people that even if they don't care to do do what you're doing, they need to encourage you and they need to yeah. not make you doubt what you're going to do, your goals and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and you can't um, take on all of the toxic shit that they're trying to work through.
1: Yeah, exactly. They, they have to somehow be giving to your life not taking away from it so that yeah that would kind of like be the biggest thing i'd say just making sure the people you surround yourself with are like really encouraging and that's what it's been like over here you know like um which i think is a little bit different in australians and americans if but also americans you know people in general can be toxic so just be careful who you surround yourself with take advice from the right people and um yeah just live your best you know <laughs> Advice. <laughs> live your best live your best
0: <laughs> original okay well i guess we'll uh, finish up on that note thank you guys so much for listening make sure you do all the things that you have to do
1: you yep. don't know. That like. subscribe to us and like yep. us
0: and, and just the, like do the all day. the posting you know what i mean <laughs> you know what i'm saying do the things thank you so much for listening
1: and we'll talk thank to you guys you.